Well, again, good morning, everyone. I hope um, if you don't have, if, if you've not had a chance to uh, get a pen and paper, you'll need it later. So uh, I'll, I'll give you some more warning at that time. Uh, I'm Joel Barna. Uh, it's my privilege to be offering a Dharma talk today. Can everyone hear me well? Okay, looks like it. Um, there's a, a couple of names I don't uh, recognize of, of folks that I don't think I've met before and, and welcome. Uh, and um, so I'm going to start my talk today by recalling the grounding point that Peg has directed our attention to since the beginning of 2020, which is the four Brahma Viharas or div divine abodes or divine abidings, metta or loving kindness or benevolence, karuna or compassion, Mudita, uh, or sympathetic joy, and Upeka, or equanimity in English. Patience, forbearance, etc. In, in a 1994 essay called The Practice of Loving Kindness, Metta, as taught by the Buddha in the Pali Canon, the Theravadan teacher and scholar Nyanamoli Tara writes, these four are called divine abidings, Brahma Vihara, perhaps because Whoever can maintain any one of them in being for even a moment has lived for that moment as do the highest gods, the Brahmadeva. In the Buddha's teachings, these four divine abidings, the greatest of all worldly merit in the Buddha's teachings, if practiced alone without insight into the true nature of existence, can lead to rebirth in the highest heavens. That sounds great, doesn't it? Um, but I want to take off from a point that Peg made during the March intensive, talking about the Brahma Viharas, that loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity are not exclusively part of a godlike, wispy realm that we can aspire to, but are instead crucial parts of our lives that we as social animals and as individuals could not survive and could not have survived as a species without. And while our capacities for exploring these mind states or attitudes may be rusty, they are present in all of us all the time, and we can access them. Uh, Peg also used a phrase uh, during that intensive that has resonated with me a lot, and uh, because it connects with something I've uh, thought about for a long time, it, it is what she called the master narrative of our unconscious conditioning, which, the, you know, the story that we have, the stories that we tell ourselves, uh, which hinders our appreciation of and our receiving and giving of benevolence, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And still later in the intensive, Peg th used what I thought was a, a great move uh, to get us curious and actively inquiring about how our hindrances to compassion and benevolence in particular, were actually trying their best to help us and to spend some time examining that, to turn to our hindrances in friendship, compassion, and to find out what they can hold, she said, would be uh, a good use of our time. Don't rely on dogma, she said. Everything in the Dharma is a point of inquiry to be honestly explored. And that means our hindrances as well as the connections with the, the heavenly abidings. 
And she made that point especially about the shadow side, about the master narrative. Um, um, so with that as a background, I want to talk about a book I've been listening to recently uh, called Resilient by Rick Hansen and Forrest Hansen. Uh, you may recognize Rick Hansen as the, one of the co-authors of uh, Buddha's Brain, one of my favorite books, with uh, the doctor Richard Mendius. Uh, Hansen is a psychologist and what he offers in this book, Resilient, is, um, is psychology. And it has an, there's, I'm going to ask you to engage in, a, in an activity later that has an aspect of kind of building up your ego, which seems kind of strange for a Zen thing. But I, I, I think it'll be clear later on that what I'm talking about is examining experiences that can help us illuminate the shadow side, the master narrative, or the uh, there are other words that I'll, I'll get around to later. Uh, in their introduction, the Hansons write, mental resources like determination, self-worth, and kindness are what make us resilient. They make us able to cope with adversity and to push through challenges in the pursuit of opportunities. While resilience helps us recover from loss and trauma, it offers much more than that. True resilience fosters well-being, an underlying sense of happiness, love, and peace. Remarkably, as you internalize experiences of well-being, that builds inner strengths which, make, which uh, in turn make you more resilient. Well-being and resilience promote each other in an upward spiral. The key is knowing how to turn passing experiences into lasting inner resources built into your brain. This is positive neuroplasticity. And, I'll, and he says, I'll show you how to use it to grow resilient well-being. Um, I am very interested in this topic because of struggles that I've had in my life for as long as I can remember. Uh, I have certain strengths as a person, I think. Curiosity, the ability to find beauty and delight all around me, a basic friendliness, a desire to work in creative ways. But I've always struggled with being organized and task-focused. Task I've told the story here more than once of how, when I was in the first grade, I was spanked in front of the classroom for stuffing papers into my desk in a messy way. So it goes back pretty far, I think. Uh, unsurprisingly, whatever pedagogical point the teacher was trying to make through that method didn't really stick with me. Um, and although I've had a successful career as a writer, an editor, a fundraiser, or at least some success, um, I've, I've nevertheless had to struggle with this uh, underlying sense that um, things are just overwhelming and, uh, and, uh, and better avoided rather than met face on, you know? Um, and I've, at the same time, I've developed a fairly steady stream of critical commentary about the quality of my work and the potential for getting exposed as fake or made up or unworthy. And that, that can be pretty overwhelming too. Uh, ever since March, I've been working with the koan of my life, uh, yet again, uh, that Peg was pointing to. Uh, and, and I will say that crisp 
Piekarski made a great point about also during the intensive, this part about befriending and being open to and not fighting against or, or uh, framing the connection with the, this other side of oneself as a war or a battle or, or a, even a struggle, but to be, to, to be open and friendly and kind and patient and have sympathetic joy, etc. Um, and I've been thinking, is it possible to see my distractibility and dreaminess and the critics in my head, those hindrances, shadows, young and vulnerable parts that I've spent years trying to get rid of, or maybe even beat into submission, to treat them as underappreciated capacities that are actually trying their best to help me. It's a radical idea for me. So that's why I'm so interested in this book, Resilient, which I'm really enjoying. The Hansons write about basic needs that everyone has, needs for safety, for satisfaction, and needs for connection. And they talk about the resources we can use to fill these needs. Uh, I'm going to focus on my own experience uh, and how it points to a lack of feeling of safety. Uh, remember that quote I mentioned from Peg before, the master narrative of our unconscious conditioning? Uh, there's other words for this, mindset. There's a learning mindset and a closed mindset. And as I have told Peg more than once, I think I have a 52% closed mindset, um, which uh, again, makes for a struggle or implicit memory, which by contrast to explicit memory uh, is not about more or less factual uh, recollection of events, but is more like a feeling tone. Uh, and an, explicit, an implicit memory is usually pretty hard to access without some work. Uh, and guess what meditation is? It's the type of work that brings up implicit memory. Uh, and there's another term that also fits for my experience, which I would say is learned helplessness, the kind of sense that it's, things aren't going to change, and there's a, there's a certain bitter quality to that. So, um, that sounds grim, but it's not that way. Because of evolution, the Hansons write, the brain has a negativity bias, and it naturally and routinely does several things. One, it scans for bad news out in the world and inside the body and mind, all the time. It focuses tightly on bad news, losing sight of the big picture. It overreacts to the bad news. It fast tracks the experience into emotional, somatic, and social memory, forming and reinforcing implicit memory in particular. And it becomes sensitized to repeated doses of the stress hormone cortisol. So it becomes even more reactive to negative experiences, which brains bathe the brain in even more cortisol, creating a vicious cycle. And going along with this, although they don't mention it specifically, when those things are happening, we are forgetting the countless ways in which we are held in loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and patience. So this bias has an evolutionary basis. It has helped us as a species survive, but living a lifetime that way day after day is I think the very definition of dukkha. It's, it's uh, self-generated um, 
suffering from clinging to self-protection. So um, I was exploring these factors to see if I can recognize that my implicit memory is operating, how it is operating, and that I don't have to necessarily believe this master narrative. And I, I, I focused on uh, the area in the book that the Hansons describe as safety, the sense of safety. And the, the Hansons suggest that a feeling tone of being unsafe uh, can be met with a particular set of, set of responsive resources. Being on your own side, which is very important, uh, determination, grit, a sense of agency, a sense of feeling protected, clarity uh, from, a, from a bigger space about threats and what they are, and uh, not overreacting, feeling all right right now, feeling calm, feeling relaxation, feeling peace. And they lay out a series of steps of learning for ways to bring these resources forward to meet the challenges that you might feel with a sense of safety. Uh, and um, they are, and we'll go over these later. Um, actually, you might want to just note a couple of things as I'm saying them now and then fill in later. I'll, I'll go back to it. But uh, one is have a positive experience. This is, can be something that you recall or that you create. If it awakens critical parts, ask them gently to step aside for now while you explore something uh, about the positive experience. Next, enrich. And in, this is the, the, that was the H step. And the, the acronym they use is HEAL, H-E-A-L. So that was the H step. This is the E or the E step, enrich and enhance the experience by spending time appreciating it uh, and not let, just letting it slide away the way that we normally do with positive experiences. Enhances make a point that we may, you know, lie in bed at night and unless we make a positive effort, we don't recall the good things that happened during the day. It, they're, they're easy to forget. And um, if something bad happened, that's more likely to be occupying our mind because there's an evolutionary advantage to not repeating that step the next time. Um, but so actually spend time and let it sink in. And the, the, this then folds into part three, absorb it into yourself. See how it feels in your body. This is a crucial step. Does your breathing change? Do you feel a different posture or a sense of relaxation? Is your vision any different? I, I, in my experience with this, I've had a change in my sense of vision that instead of being narrowly focused, it tends to open up more. Uh, and my sense of hearing seems different as well, that it's more open to possibilities or something. Take your time. They suggest put your hand on your heart and a loving gesture to yourself if you if you can or if that's appropriate and see if that makes a difference in helping you take in what you are experiencing and the last step the l step of heal is link it to other experiences and they the the term that the hansons use is um, using flowers to pull up weeds so you've got a positive experience and you, you can link it with other um, 
parts of your implicit memory or the sense that comes with your implicit memory. And um, the, the, they say this is optional. Certainly it's optional at the beginning and it will be optional when I ask you to do some writing about this because um, it's, you need some, to spend some time in the first three steps, I think. Uh, so I wanna tell you about my positive experience. I was walking about uh, a week and a half ago and I recalled something that had pleased me. I had made a movie about a colleague and a young person in Atlanta, young, a young woman named Deborah Sodia, who had been participating in a program called Earth Tomorrow. And I did an interview with her over a year ago. I um, made a movie that I had to cut down from 30 minutes to three minutes. And um, uh, it, was a, it was a challenge to come up with a way to animate it because it was just me talking with her. Uh, I, I uh, offered it to others. I, I shared it with donors in Atlanta. I offered it to others. And then uh, early in July, someone at the central office staff at the National Wildlife Federation where I work, and pardon me, I, I'm a fundraiser for the National Wildlife Federation, and that's why I'm, I'm talking about this stuff. Someone in the, in the national office put, it, put a link to it on the Twitter feed uh, to go out all over the country. So I was very pleased about that. It seemed like a really strong validation about something that I'd been nervous about, you know, that, it, that the, maybe that wasn't great, all, all that great, you know, a movie, et cetera. So it felt validating that um, it was recognized and, and recognized for my attempt to connect with and recognize these wonderful people in Atlanta who uh, were doing this work and who had these wonderful visions for the future. So I was walking, I was thinking about these steps, uh, having just listened to this section in the book for the third time. And um, I uh, took, the, took that feeling and I, again, I had some critical parts that came up right away. I just asked them to hang on, there'll be time for criticism later, but to see if I could feel any changes in my body as I was appreciating my delight at having this recognition. And I did feel many changes. I, I felt, as I say, my vision changed. I, I felt like I was opening out more. I felt like my, my sense of of hearing changed and I felt more relaxed and my shoulders went back and I was breathing more deeply and all these things were happening. And uh, I was able to uh, do the link step um, and connect with the those critical parts, which I then invited back in and to um, to offer them to not, not, not get them to go away, but just to offer them the chance to participate with me in this loving sense, the sense that I had agency and persistence and energy and love in my heart and that they, they could feel the physical feelings that went along with that and, and they were welcome to join me in that, whatever they had to say. So that was a great experience for me. Um, and I, I, I will say, I talked, I talked through this with Peg and, and others in Council One last week, and, and uh, Peg said, yeah, go ahead, use that. So, uh, so what I wanna suggest 
is that uh, I'm going to read through these steps one more time, and you can fill in your notes, uh, and then we will break up into um, uh, breakout rooms, and uh, that you spend, say, five minutes recalling or creating some sort of experience where you feel your own qualities of um, whatever it is that gives you safety and satisfaction and connection. Like I say, for me, I have felt threat to safety, and that's why I focused on that. But if there are other areas where your, your implicit memory seems to have a, a imbalance or a lack or, or even some uh, disquiet about any of those qualities, focus on those aspects that you think can help you meet that when you have experienced that, how, they, how you can hold them in your body, how you can uh, help, and, and by holding them in your body, what you are doing is actually changing the way your brain is firing, and you're helping those neurons fire together and wire together, you know? So you're this is a, a learning process. Um, so do that, and then we will, uh, and then I ask if you would share what your, your, your experiences, your, your close right now experiences, not intellectualized, but what you're actually feeling with others in your breakout group for just a couple minutes each. I th and I'm guessing that we will have um, uh, three or four people in each room. I can't, I can't, I can't do the math in my head, but uh, Anne will take care of that. Uh, and, that at, and then at the end, after that, then we come back and, and share anything that you would want to share with the whole group. Sound good? Yes. Uh, Laurie, I, I, you are muted. So, yeah, Anne, can okay. you help? Okay, there she goes. Oh, I just, I think I missed. You said the three things um, you were talking about was safety, and then there were two others. What, what were those? I'm sorry, I missed. Safety, satisfaction, and connection. Okay. Thank you. Right. And Joan, let me see if I can unmute you. Uh, and, okay, Joan, you're unmuted. Yes. Uh, you were unmuted, Joan, but now you're back. Can you hold down your shift key? Okay, there. Am Facebook. I back? Yeah. Is that Okay. Uh, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the link step. Well, again, that's optional. Uh, it is, it is, a, it, the, um, the link step is with this felt sense of um, openness and creativity and, you know, all these other things, this felt sense of um, connection and, and satisfaction that, that you are giving to yourself, that you invite in something more critical, you know, that you invite in a bad experience or something more difficult. And, and it, it can be, you know, off on the side, it's with you, you've got the, you've got the 
primary, the, the, the good thing as your primary experience and, you, and you're staying with that, but you're inviting the other in to share in the, in the bounty, as it were, share in the, the benefits. Um, does, that, does that make any sense? I, you know, I, 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 I don't have the book with me and if I would try and read something more from that. But uh, again, it's optional. It's not easy. Uh, it took me a couple of tries uh, and uh, you can skip that. I would just say, think of an experience that, that um, you would like to integrate more fully into your life and give it time to do that and feel what it is, what happens physically. So those are the main things. So again, have a good, a positive experience, um, something that you can recall or you create right now. Enrich or enhance the way experience, the experience, uh, uh, enhance the experience by spending time with it. Don't let it just pop out of your head while you move on to something else. Absorb it into yourself, feeling how it feels in your body. And again, pay attention to your somatic expression of it. Is your breathing different? Is your, do your muscles feel different? Do your bones feel different? Are you sitting in a different way, walking in a different way, etc.? Okay, so those are the three main things and link it to other experiences if you want to do that by inviting other more difficult experiences in. And yes? Um, Joel, Ann has her hand raised. Oh, I'm sorry. Ann Lipscomb? Do you, are you wanting to talk? Thank you. Yeah, um, I was wondering, do you want us to, each one of us in the group, to take five minutes to describe that? Do we need a little time before we start describing to actually bring ourselves into the experience? So, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, what, I'm, what I suggest is five minutes of the experience, bringing yourself into the experience, five minutes for writing, and then just a just like two or three minutes each, depending on how much time we have, for sharing it within the pod. Does that seem adequate? Uh, and and you know you'll need a timekeeper for that and so on. So, uh, and we'll still be twenty minutes in the breakout rooms. Yes, so we'll say twenty minutes for groups of three or four. I think that works. Okay. So I had a lovely uh, experience talking with my pod mates. Um, and I would like to invite others to share um, anything that they would like to share from uh, what they had in their breakout rooms or, or what it felt like. Um, enhancing and absorbing experiences that you might otherwise have let slip away from you in the in the negative negativity bias of our brains and if you have any trouble unmuting um, feel free to um, wave or send me a note in the chat and i will do what i can on my end to help you unmute wonderful so i see kim raising his hand yeah, so mine's more a question. I, so I had a positive experience and then I thought of a negative experience and the positive something was working and the negative something wasn't working. But, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not getting how to 
help me with my negative experience from the positive. How to apply, how to, you use the analogy of pulling weeds with flowers or something like that. Yeah. So I, I you know, as I said, that the, the Hansons, it's Rick Hansen with his son, Forrest, and he speaks in the first person singular while he's narrating the book. But he, he says, my son helped me write this very, very much so. But anyway, I, I will say the Hansons say that this is optional and you got to really spend some time with the, the positive experience first and really enhance it, really absorb it before you attempt to link it with anything else. So I, it, 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 it's, it's not a problem, you know, that you were, you didn't see what to do. I've read the book and you haven't. I, I mean, I've, I've been reading the book, I've been listening to the book, and I've focused on this session section several times to try and not have it slip away from me. Uh, in my own example, I'll just say, in my own example, I was able to be physically present with this good experience and feeling how it felt in my body and then knowing that there was a negative voice out there available, I was able to invite it in. But it was not to get it to go away, to solve it, to, to you know, address a problem or anything like that, something that wasn't working. It was to share the experience, to have that critical part share in the sense of openness and expansiveness and and freedom that I was feeling and in in my body and my breathing and my heart, you know, and bringing it bringing it into good energy. Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a great way to put it. Okay. Okay, yeah. Thank you. So and, and 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 there's no rush. You don't you don't have to rush into this. So. And it, you know, I'm just offering my own example. It's not exactly the same way that is described in the book and I but I don't think anybody's any two people are going to have the same responses. So my uh, in I, I was in a breakout room with Ann Lipscomb and Joan Harmon, and they both t uh, described very beautiful experiences of connection with others. Um, and that, that, that and they, they were not focusing on any kind of lack of connection. You know, they didn't feel like they had to bring in a lack of connection exactly, although both of them had you know, critical voices at the beginning. I, I hope I'm, I'm not misrepresenting what you said, but critical voices that came up, up at the beginning and said, oh, this is too small, or this is not, you know, a big deal enough or, or important enough to write down and note and try and make a thing out of, you know. But what they had was really beautiful and really share, you know, what they had to share was really beautiful about connection with other people and how that affected them and 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 made them happy and all right right now as the as the uh, one of the phrases that the Hansons used. Well, it's almost 1050. It's 1048 right now. I would love it if there are other comments that anyone would like to share. Please raise your hand if so. 
if not, then we can move to the move to the service. Okay, not seeing any hands. Oh wait, Laurie's hand. Can you unmute yourself, Laurie? Yes. Yeah, I just want to thank you for this, Joel. I think it was a great exercise, and mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we didn't. Um, I, I lost track of the time, and so people didn't get to express their what they did with it. But I do want to say that it was a. I think it's a really important thing, and I, I was realizing how negative I must be because I didn't come up with anything positive for a while. You know, I, uh, Laurie, there's something that I meant to uh, add into what I had written that I was thinking about on the way here and while I was sitting, uh, and that is the very beautiful exercise that you shared uh, as a daily reflection uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, late March or early April, where you are just sitting and you pay attention to what's going on in your body and you take your hand, your left hand and your right oh, yeah. hand, you say, you say to yourself, this is what my hand feels like right now. Oh, here's this other hand. This is what it feels like right now. This is what my feet feel like, my hips, my, you know, etc. And that that is a, that's a crucial part. I wanted to say that that, that exercise is a way into enhancing and appreciating and absorbing like no other. It's, it was so wonderful. And, um, if you haven't seen it, you know, go back and find an early. What, do you remember what the email was called, Laurie? It was called like a Thursday reflect or Tuesday reflection or something. Oh, no, I don't think it was associated with that. Instead, it was about, I don't think, it was about um, exercises to relieve anxiety or stress. something. Yeah. Stress, stress anxiety. anxiety. Okay. Well, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it search out it, 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 it and it's it's is it on the youtube channel? that's a question for for kim 